Can you enjoy Thanksgiving dinner without the holiday hassles? Better believe it. The Pilgrim Sub is back at Get-Go Cafe and Market. Come and taste why it's our best-selling sub of all time. This holiday feast starts with our fresh-baked secret recipe stuffing bread. Then we load it with juicy roasted turkey, melted Wisconsin white cheddar, savory gravy, and if you like, house-made cranberry sauce. Don't wait for Turkey Day to chow down on this tasty tradition. The Pilgrim Sub is only here for a limited time. Get-Go Cafe and Market. Better believe it. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, you lovely people. Thank you so much for joining me for another amazing, wonderful show of Dr. Low Radio. I am Dr. Lauren Noel, your host, and thank you so much for joining me again. Tonight is going to get a little steamy. Tonight is all about how to hack your sex life. We have the amazing sexual health science pioneer, Dr. Beverly Whipple, on the show, and I will give you more info about her in just a moment. I'm just so excited to have her. I've been doing a ton of research on her, and it's just, I'm amazed. I'm like a little starstruck to have her on the show tonight, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, But first, just want to uh, give you guys some announcements. if you guys missed last week's show, uh, I had Jonathan Baylor on. He's so funny. He's the author of The Calorie Myth. We had a really good time on the show. Just kind of busting through myths about exercise and diet. Is all about calories or is it maybe the kind of calories you're having? And what about beyond calories? What, what else is involved in the whole fat loss kind of game? So go ahead and check that out in all other episodes on drlowradio.com. Also, I want to apologize to you guys if you're waiting for an email from me with a video of my highlights from the previous show. I just got too busy with patients, seeing patients this week, and I just didn't make it happen. So I promise when I get back from uh, another thing I'm going to tell you about in a second, uh, uh, I'll I'll be out of town this next week. I will get it to you guys next week. So thanks so much for your patience. Uh, But what's happening tomorrow, I'm actually flying to New York. I'm going to be going to camp. Remember like summer camp or band camp, right? I'm actually going to camp out in upstate New York. Um, It's put on by the amazing podcaster Jonathan Fields over at goodlifeproject.com. He's putting it together, Camp for Adults. So much fun, right? Like when's the last time you actually went to camp where you slept in bunk beds and you went and looked at the stars and had, um, you know, uh, campfires and canoeing and all this kind of stuff. So I'm doing this for the next four days. I'm so excited. And because it is adult camp, they will have some classes on, you know, business stuff. They're going to have entrepreneur classes and podcasting classes and all that. So I'm just so excited. Um, I know John Lee Dumas from um, Entrepreneur on Fire is going to be there. Alex Jamison um, from Super Size Me. She was on a past um, uh, show guest and um, yeah I'm also going with a good friend of mine who owns a juice bar here in San Diego uh, beaming amazing business so I'm just looking forward to having a fun rest of the week get a little bit of battery charging but also get some good business tips too so I'll share with you guys what I learned next week um, what else? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, you guys know all the uh, Facebook.com slash Dr. Low Noel. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Um, my Instagram's Healthy Low. Twitter is Dr. Lauren Noel. So come check me out on all the different social media fronts. I know you guys are all on there. Um, let's jump into tonight's show. We have, like I said, Dr. Beverly Whipple on the show. She is a certified sexuality educator. She's a sexuality counselor and a sex researcher. And she's the co-author of the international bestseller, The G-Spot, and other discoveries about human sexuality, which has been translated into 20 languages. And she republished it as uh, 23 years later in 2005. So it was released a while back. It's still a classic. Um, she's also co-authored other books, including Safe Encounters, How Women Can Say Yes to Pleasure and No to Unsafe Sex. Um, also Smart Women, Strong Bones, Outwitting Osteoporosis, uh, The Science of Orgasm, and The Orgasm Answer Guide. 
Dr. Whipple has been um, on over 300 radio and TV programs. She's been featured in hundreds of magazines. She's delivered over 800 talks and keynote speeches and published over 180 research articles and book chapters. And she was named um, one of People to Watch in Philadelphia Magazine. She was also um, named one of the 50 most influential scientists in the world by The New Scientist. She is a professor emerita at Rutgers University. She has a BS in nursing from Wagner College, a master's in counseling, a master's in nursing, and a PhD in psychobiology with a major in neurophysiology from Rutgers University. She's very, very smart. She lives in New Jersey with Jim, her husband, since 1962. They have a couple grown kids and five grandchildren. So I am just so excited to have you on the show, Dr. Whipple. Thanks so much for joining me. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's so great to have you. So you have such a, a rich story. I mean, looking at all the things you've accomplished in your career, it's just amazing. And I, a lot of my guests who come on the show I've met either in person or we've had conversations. And you're, I, I'm new to you, you're new to me, so I'm just so excited to get to know you. I'd love to know a little bit about your story. Like what got you into this world of, of sex and pleasure and studying all of this? I'm just fascinated by this. Well, my research has been uh, dedicated to validating the pleasurable experiences that women report. People have put women into a model of only one way to respond, and my experience has demonstrated and my research has demonstrated that women have many, many ways that they experience sensual and sexual pleasure. So I've been really focusing on validating what they report and letting, helping women to feel good about themselves, especially if they don't fit into a male linear model, which women do not. Mm-hmm. You want to yeah. know how I... We haven't tested this. Can you hear me well enough? I can hear you perfectly, yes. Fine. Okay. Um, I got into uh, conducting research because I was teaching nursing, and one of my students asked, what can a man do sexually after he has a heart attack? And I knew about climbing two flights of stairs and not being short of breath, but this was almost 40 years ago. And uh, we had an consultant come into our nursing curriculum and incorporated sexuality into our curriculum, and then the Board of Trustees told us we could not uh, do, implement that curriculum. So I quit my job, took graduate courses in sexual, sexual health, and have been uh, teaching and conducting research now for many, many years. So it's been a very, very rewarding um, career. I have gotten wonderful feedback from people who have been subjects from people who have read my research, and I've been very blessed to have been invited to speak in 95 countries around the world. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. One of the things in your story that really stood out to me is that you have five grandchildren, and I have to ask, what, I mean, what is it like for your grandchildren knowing that their grandma is such a sex expert? I'm just so curious. <laughs> oh, our grandchildren are just wonderful. They, they really <laughs> One came with me when they named a research center after me in the uh, town of Puebla, Mexico. They named a scientific research center after me. And when she was 10 years old, she was asked to uh, do a, a, a paper in her class on any city in the world, and she had picked Puebla. And so when Puebla, Mexico, uh, was naming the research center after me, I brought her with us and her mother, and she knew all the she knew the hotel we stayed at. She knew so many of the of the buildings and the different places there. It was so wonderful to experience that with her. And this is just part of our lives. It's just been great. Mm-hmm. And my son and his wife, in addition to having three children, have had many many newborn fa- foster babies. They just had a uh, 
five-day-old, a four-pound, 11-ounce baby to take care of, and they take in foster children. So it's just been amazing. There's always uh, always children around. Wow. And one of the, the things I love about watching some of your videos is just the way that you talk about sex. You don't have any, there's no, like, weirdness around it. There's no shame or any kind of, there's so many things that come with sex for so many people nowadays. And you talk about it just very, just, you know, it's just very matter of fact. And, and was it like that when you were raising kids? Did you just kind of talk about it, like, very openly and maturely about yes, it? Yes, we did. In fact, one day I remember at dinner my son said to us, can we talk about anything else at dinner except sex? So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, um, yes, we've been very, very open about sexual health, and I think it's just an important part of our health and something that we, uh, I really feel is important for us to know as much about as we can. Absolutely. So I love one of the things you said earlier is just about uh, women's pl- um, experience of pleasure and sexuality and how there's so much more to it than what is generally talked about oftentimes. And um, I'd love to talk a bit about pleasure. So talking about orgasm, should that be really the yardstick, you know, by which we measure quality sexual interaction? Is there another way that we can go ahead and measure sexual pleasure? Like, what's what's your take on that? Well, I talk with people when I introduce some of my research about different ways of looking at sexual experiences. And one is goal-directed and one is pleasure-directed. And if you take an analogy of a staircase for goal-directed, each step leads to the next step. So it's a look, a touch, a caress, uh, penis and vagina contact to the top step of the big O or orgasm. And people who are goal-oriented and don't reach that top step don't feel very good about the whole process that's occurred. Whereas if someone is pleasure-directed or pleasure-oriented, I use the analogy of a circle where each acti- any activity on the perimeter of that circle can be an end in itself. Sometimes holding hands, cuddling, kissing, whatever it is, can be so pleasurable and satisfying and it doesn't have to lead to something else. And I try to help people to become aware of what it is they find pleasurable in their lives, what brings them pleasure, and then to acknowledge that to themselves. And then the hardest part for most people is to communicate to their partner what they find pleasurable. You can do this verbally or non-verbally, and I give a lot of examples of how to do that when I talk to the general public. Mm-hmm. Right. And and having that open communication, that's really huge. So um, I have a girlfriend recently. We had a long conversation about sex, and I obviously won't say what her name is, but she mentioned that she has never had an orgasm. Ever. So not with someone else, not with herself. What would you say to someone like that who's had this experience, obviously tried a lot of things to make that happen, it's just been so frustrating. What would be your, you know, what would you say to her? First of all, I would say relax and find out what feels good to you. Explore different parts of your body. We have so many different parts of our body with different types of touch. And don't go focusing on experiencing orgasm. I never use the word achieve or reach orgasm because that sets it up as a goal. But if you experience orgasm, and if somebody is interested in experiencing orgasm, they can experiment with their body, find out where and how they like to be touched. They may want to use a vibrator. There's different, so many things that people can do. But just focus on the pleasure and not trying to reach or achieve an orgasm. But if you experience one, that's, that's just great for you if that's what you choose to do. 
And I have two books that are very, very helpful to people. One is The Science of Orgasm, in which we have have all of the scientific studies that had been uh, conducted up until the time we published our book. And then the Orgasm Answer Guide, which the publisher, Johns Hopkins University Press, asked us to write for the general public. So we answer hundreds of questions in the Orgasm Answer Guide. And in that book, I find it very interesting because my two co-authors from The Science of Orgasm were Catholic and Jewish, and I wanted to have a Muslim co-author, not for the religion, but for the cultural perspectives. So uh, we invited one of my uh, mentees to be a co-author with us. She's from Iran. She lives now in the United States. And so we tried to be very culturally sensitive in the Orgasm Answer Guide. And people have said how helpful that is to them as well. Mm, that's great. I, I love what you were talking about a moment ago about the, um, uh, you know, kind of exploring what pleasure looks like for you. And um, and I know that a lot of the mind-body is huge with that, like really, really important. And, you know, we talk about women, you know, are, they're, they're, their G-spot is in the brain. I know you have a, a book about the G-spot, which is an actual place, but I really think that so much of the pleasure comes from the brain, for men and for women. So you talk about imagery, um, I think this is fascinating. You've talked about how there's some women, a decent amount of them, who can have an orgasm from just their imagination. And I was talking with the patient actually about this today at the clinic because I oftentimes will mention to patients, oh, I'm having this show tonight, just strike conversation. And she actually said, oh, I can do that. I was like, no way, tell me about this. So just picking her brain about this. But talk to us a little bit about that, the power of imagery and, and how all that works and how this is something that you know my listeners can can kind of um, maybe try to incorporate. Let me give you a little background on that. When I was writing yeah. uh, Safe Encounters with Dr. Gina Ogden, she had uh, conducted her doctoral dissertation on easily orgasmic women. And she told me that 65% of the easily orgasmic women in her study reported to her that they could experience orgasm from imagery. And I said, gee, Gina, if this is so, then we should measure it in the lab and let's see what happens. So we had women who reported that they could experience uh, orgasm from imagery come into my human physiology laboratory, and we hooked them up to measure their blood pressure, their heart rate, uh, pupil dilation. When they had experience in orgasm, they had to sit up and put their chin in a chin bar so we could measure the pupil of their eye. And we measured pain thresholds and tactile thresholds. And... Uh, we had the women experience orgasm from genital self-stimulation or from imagery in a counterbalanced way so one would not affect the other, and found out that the physical and perceptual correlates of imagery, whether it was, uh, whether, excuse me, of orgasm, whether it was imagery-induced or uh, stimulation-induced, were the same. So then when we started doing uh, PET scans and then functional MRIs of the brain, we had women come into the uh, unit and with the fMRIs, we have found that the same brain regions are activated whether the women experience orgasm from imagery, whatever that may be for them, or from uh, genital stimulation. We also had the women imagine, uh, think about their clitoris, and then touch their clitoris, think about touching their clitoris but not touching it, and then touch it. Same areas of the brain were activated. Think about a nipple. Think about touching a nipple. Think about then stimulate the nipple in different uh, orders, and uh, the same areas of the brain were activated. So 
when a woman says to you, I experience orgasm, we have to believe her, no matter what it is from. I've had women with complete spinal cord injury who were told that they, it was not possible for them to experience orgasm, or if they did, it was a phantom orgasm, and yet these women in my laboratory experienced orgasm. And uh, we also then did some uh, work with looking at nerve pathways and found out that there's a nerve that goes from the genitals to the brain bypassing the spinal cord. And you would know that it's the sensory vagus nerve. But uh, we did do uh, animal studies and then in women, and we got uptake in the NTS, which is where the uh, sensory vagus nerve projects to. So we have been documenting experiences that people said, no, that can't be. You have a complete spinal cord injury. There's no way you can experience orgasm. And these women did. In fact, one woman had not touched herself or done anything for the two years since her injury came into my lab, and she had a couple orgasms, and she was crying and I was crying. It was just amazing. She said, I didn't know this was going to be possible. So... This is what I do. I validate women's pleasurable experiences. It does not have to be orgasm, but we look at what's happening in the brain, and we demonstrate that women can experience pleasure from imagery, just thinking, and it doesn't have to be thinking about the genitals or thinking about orgasm. It can be whatever it is they find pleasurable. Wow, that is fascinating. I love that you took this and actually conducted the research to find it. I mean, that's just that's awesome because there's nothing like this before, right? That's, that's correct. No one had, had done these uh, studies before. In fact, just had a uh, Ph.D. student just defend her dissertation last week and did beautifully, and she had uh, followed up on some of these studies, uh, replicating some of them, and compared uh, partner stimulation to self-stimulation. And uh, it was a very, very, very well-done study, and she also did the imagery as part of that study. Yeah. Um, I posted uh, a few things on Facebook about this show tonight, and it was funny because the only people who commented were men. So I think men really have an interest in this topic. And I know that we're talking mostly about female uh, pleasure, but I think men are interested in that, in female pleasure, because they want to win, they want to provide that, you know. So, um, or I should say if it's a same-sex couple, right, you know, it's giving pleasure. So I'm, I'm curious about um, one of the things you talk about are different pleasure zones. We're all familiar with that, traditional pleasure zones. Um, but for, I think the men listening would like to know this too, so you, you really talk about a multitude of other pleasure zones in the body, so, which I think is fascinating. So where are these zones and you know, how do we get in touch with which ones we like? I mean, talk a bit about well, that. Well, in our book, Safe Encounters, Gina Ogden and I have something called an extra genital matrix in which we list 36 parts of the body and 15 types of touch, and you can add others, succumb to add others. And we encourage people to just experiment with different types of touch. It may be using your hair, it may be blowing, it may be just light touching, it may be feathers, whatever type of touch on different parts of the body, and use numbers from, say, 0 to 10, 10 for ecstasy. And it's amazing how you can find out about different parts of your body and how, how wonderful they feel to you and others that you may not like. And this is something we have the chart, and people can do this. They can share. They can do it with their partner 
where they can do it by themselves and then share it with a partner. And it's just a way of learning about the different ways that our body can respond. And there's a lot more than the 36 parts of the body that we have listed. We just try to give people permission to learn about themselves, to learn about what feels good to them, and then to be able to communicate that to a partner if they choose to have a partner. So what are, what's a surprising place that's a pleasure zone that people wouldn't normally think of? Well, I'll say this because I say it when I talk, so everybody knows about it. But for me, I'm going to use myself personally. If my husband comes near and blows in my ear, I want to vomit. I mean, that's just horrible. But if he sucks on my big toe, that is pure ecstasy. <laughs> How would he know this if we didn't try these different things? So uh, I can't say what's right for one person or what feels good for one person because it may be different from what someone else likes. But uh, the story about uh, blowing in the ear or nibbling in the ear, I tell a story about a couple, and they were trying to communicate non-verbally, and she kept kissing her partner's ears. And it got to the point where she was kissing his ears all the time, and he never kissed her ears. So one day he said, you know, doing something to our partner that we would like them to do to us is very common. And one day he said to her, why are you kissing my ears all the time? I hate it. And she says, oh, I love to have my ears kissed. I was trying to communicate that to you. He said, well, by not kissing your ears, I was trying to communicate to you that I hate to have my ears kissed. So a little bit of verbal communication here helped to solve some problem that they had with nonverbal communication. But there's many ways that we can find out about ourselves and then communicate that to our partner. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, something really fascinating to me, which I talked to this patient at the clinic today also about, which it was fascinating that this is something she had experienced, is uh, female ejaculation. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people think it's, it's not true. These women are just urinating. You can't actually do that. Give us a little bit about your experience in studying this and what the reality is from what you've seen. Well, female ejaculation is an expulsion of fluid about a teaspoon, three to five cc's, of a a fluid that looks like watered-down fat-free milk, and it tastes sweet, and it has the components from the female prostate gland. So it has prostatic-specific antigen. It has uh, prostatic acid phosphatase in it, and it has glucose or fructose or both in it. And it doesn't have urea or creatinine, which is what you have in urine because of the byproducts of protein metabolism. So there are three fluids that we have analyzed and others have replicated our studies. So there's about 30 studies that have been conducted since we published our original study on female ejaculation. Um, And that there are three different types of fluids that come from the urethra. One is urine, which everybody's familiar with. Another is the female ejaculation, which I just explained is a small amount, about a teaspoonful of a fluid that looks like watered-down fat-free milk, and it's sweet. And um, there's another fluid called gushing or squirting, which is diluted urine with some of the components from the female prostate gland. So it has a very little bit of the prostatic fluid in it. So there are three different types of fluid that come out of the urethra. And what I have worked on, talked about, and published on extensively is the female ejaculation. And uh, 
We don't know what the purpose of it is. It feels good. It has a similar um, composition to male ejaculatory fluid. Uh, and uh, it's been known for thousands of thousands of years. Aristotle wrote about it. Galen wrote about it. It's been published in the Kama Sutra and all different types of, of uh, publications from other different countries. But once they developed the microscope and didn't see anything in the female ejaculation that would contribute to conception, then it left the literature. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And we had women who, I was teaching women Kegel exercises, and they're done for urinary uh, stress incontinence. That's when a woman jumps, coughs, or sneezes, and dribbles some urine. And I was teaching women to do Kegel exercises with biofeedback. And some of the women who came to me had very strong muscles. And they said, well, they only lost fluid uh, during sexual activity. And that's when we had them collect, we collected the fluid, we had it analyzed and found out that it was not urine, it was not gushing, but it was female ejaculation. And these women also reported that there was a sensitive area felt through the anterior or the front wall of the vagina that when this was stimulated seemed to produce this uh, expulsion of fluid, which we call female ejaculation. And we went to the literature, found an article written in 1950 by Dr. Ernst Grafenberg, who was a physician who developed the first IUD, and he was a German Jew, and he, uh, were, there was a ransom paid for him by Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood, to get him out of Germany. And he came and he practiced in New York City, and he had written about this uh, sensitive area that you feel through the front wall of the vagina that swells when it's stimulated, and the expulsion of fluid from the urethra that's different from urine. So we named this sensitive area after him. It was called the Grafenberg spot, and the publisher shortened it to the G spot. But a few years ago, I had the opportunity um, to meet with a woman who was his medical assistant for 10 years that he had an office on Park Avenue in New York City. And uh, she was 93 at the time. She had been in a rehab facility and they had a computer. She'd never used a computer. And her daughter said, showed her how to use it and said, do you want to look up anything? She said, yes, Dr. Grafenberg. And they found an article that I had written about his life and got in touch with me. And when I went up and visited her in New York City and had permission to film us in talking to each other, and it was just really such a wonderful experience. And it was so rewarding to have her say how proud she was that we had named this area after Dr. Grafenberg. Wow. When I was, um, that's really an amazing story. When I was talking to my staff about this show tonight, I said, I have the woman on the show who actually named the G-Spot. <laughs> They're like, oh, my gosh, you know. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's great that you guys um, were able to um, to do that. And it's, it's amazing how popular the term has gotten as well. So, um, and question, does every woman have a G-spot? Because that was the question that my staff was wondering. Um, and then is that the way that the female ejaculation happens? Is it specifically from that spot? I don't know if everyone has a G-spot, an area that we call the G-spot. Um, most people find stimulation in this area very pleasant. To stimulate it, if a woman is lying on her back, a partner puts two fingers 
into the vagina with the palm up and then pushes up in through the anterior, the front wall of the vagina, the top wall of the vagina, she's lying on her back. And if she puts her hand above the pubic hairline and pushes down, she can feel that tissue begin to swell. And uh, many women find it pleasurable. Not everyone likes the same as not everyone likes to have someone kissing their ears. Everyone is different. And uh, stimulation of that area does seem to produce uh, the phenomenon of female ejaculation, although women have reported that they've experienced female ejaculation from oral sex, from different types of activity. But the fluid seems to be coming from the female prostate gland, which used to be called the skeins or the paraurethral glands and has now officially been been called the female prostate gland. And that's where the fluid comes through. So there are there's a gland that surrounds the urethra with ducts going into it, and that's where the fluid is coming from. Fascinating. I just learned something new. So the skein's gland are now, because that's what we learned in medical school, is now called... Skein's gland, uh, the periurethral, called the female prostate gland. Wow. Okay. Because I was wondering, I was like, where does this prostate gland come from? I didn't think women had it, but okay, that's that's what you're referring to. Fascinating. Yeah, and Dr. Mylon Zaviacek has uh, a book out called The Human Female Prostate Gland, human female prostate, and he has reports of over 300 autopsies that have been conducted on women uh, looking at this tissue. Mm-hmm. Now, the area wow. of the G-spot is this tissue, plus we think probably the core of the clitoris that go down alongside the urethra. So there's a lot of different tissues that are erectile that are in that area that we have named the G-spot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know that there's women listening, men listening too, that are going, okay, well, how do I have these kinds of experiences? You know, I hear about other people having this. I know a lot of women listening are going, I've never had this experience. Mm-hmm. What would be some some takeaways of things that you can offer for the listeners of how to really spice up their sex life? Like how can maybe a woman have a female orgasm or have a ejaculation? What would be some things that you think, okay, you definitely should should start implementing this? Well, to stimulate the area of the Grafenberg spot, if a, you can do it, as I just explained before, with digital stimulation, it can be stimulated with a vibrator pushing up into the front wall of the vagina. There are different positions, if you like, penile vaginal intercourse that uh, you can use that would help to stimulate this area, and that is the woman on top, rear entry position, or the woman lying on her back with the man kneeling up and the woman putting her legs up over his shoulders. You have to be in a position where the angle of the penis will hit into the front wall of the vagina to stimulate it. And you can, of course, use hands or dildos or vibrate or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. And, and so and that's, that's how to sorry, stimulate the area of the Grafenberg spot. But as far as orgasm goes, if someone is... The, Women can experience orgasm, as I said earlier, from so many different areas of their body and just from imagery alone. So I think it's it's wonderful. It's just great. Yeah. Well, I'm a naturopathic doctor, and we're all about natural treatments, herbs, mm-hmm. you know, supplements that really help to boost things. I know one of the things that you have worked with is, is a supplement you found some really good results with. Um, so tell us a little bit about that and how does it work and... Um, what what is maybe some of the success stories then that you've heard with that? Well, 
The one, the one natural product that I have conducted uh, studies on and published is on Argemax for Women. And Argemax for Women is a dietary supplement. It's bought over the counter, and it has different components in it that do help with sexual responses and pleasure. Um, it has L-arginine in, which is, uh, helps with the production of nitric oxide, and it has uh, Korean and American ginseng in it. It has, um, which also helps to produce uh, the conversion of L-arginine into nitric oxide. And, of course, your, your view is probably know that that's one of the components or how the PDE5 inhibitors work for helping with erection in men. Um, Argimax also has um, ginkgo biloba in it, which helps with their circulation, and it has many vitamins as well. So it's, it's a dietary supplement, and the studies have documented that compared to placebo, it helps with sexual responses in women, and there's also Argimax for men, which has been demonstrated. I didn't conduct the studies with men, but there have been studies conducted and published showing how this natural um, dietary supplement helps men with their sexual responses as well. If you want me to go over all the different vitamins and minerals that are in it, I'd be glad to do that as well. But it can be well, maybe what are Yeah, sure. What are like some of the main active um, ingredients that other things that you can mention? Well, I've already mentioned the L-arginine, the ginkgo biloba. The, um, it has dimatia leaf, vitamins A, C, E, B, B12. Right. Uh, it has folate. It has niacin. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Thiamine, calcium, iron, zinc. And mainly which will help to increase blood flow in women and yeah. uh, and enhance responses. Yeah, it's great. I, I mean, a lot of those sound like... essential vitamins and minerals in. Okay, yeah. I We we talk a lot about it on, on the show, you know, different vitamins, minerals, and things, and I love that, that mm-hmm. it sounds like there's a lot of cofactors in that formula, so it's going to support the conversion of a lot of the different hormones and also liver support and, um, and then the nitric oxide. So... That's great. It sounds like a really good formula. And w- so that's similar to something I've used in practice, and um, I use a lot of maca for, for patients, too, to help with some of that, and that, that really makes a difference. Sometimes I have the, my female patients have to take their husbands off of it because it works a little bit too well. Um, <laughs> I'm also curious <laughs> about the application of hormones to the vaginal area. So what's, what's your take on that, maybe applying some uh, testosterone cream, or what's, what's your, your take on those? Well, uh, first of all, I'm very cautious in terms of hormones because we have to know what's happening with the woman. Uh, Women who are postmenopausal, they often get vaginal dryness. The lining of the vagina and the urethra kind of thins. And I'm very cautious. The only things that I would recommend would be something that they can use that is not absorbed through the body because if it is and they have a uterus, uh, if we're using, an est- say, an estrogen product, then they have to take progesterone So, because uh, estrogen alone, can, as you know, can cause uterine hypertrophy. So I either suggest using something like the E-string, which is, looks like a diaphragm without the center of it, and that goes into the around the cervix for three months, and it just gives a little bit of estrogen that is not absorbed through the body, or uh, Vagifem, which is a little tablet that women use twice a week, that again has 
estrogen, but it's not as much not not absorbed through the body. I have trouble with using estrogen creams in that if a woman is going to have penile vaginal intercourse, that estrogen cream is absorbed through her body, can also be absorbed through the, her partner's penis. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm not a proponent of using a lot of hormones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that too. I, I have patients do just a, a bit of vaginal estriol, um, just you know, a couple times a week as needed, and that that can really mm-hmm. help things. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah not the amount that they use so it's not absorbed through the body and then they have to take progesterone with it or not to use it as a lubricant if they're going to be having penile vaginal intercourse because it can be absorbed through the partner's penis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I already kind of know the answer to this question, but do you believe as a woman gets older into her postmenopausal years she can still have just a raging, awesome sex life? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No question mm-hmm. about it. And uh, of course, that's up to the woman if this is something she chooses. But again, I don't want to set up any standard for people. People have to do what feels good to them, what brings them pleasure, and uh, there's no reason why anyone has to stop enjoying sensual and sexual pleasure because of a certain age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if let's say um, someone's listening there, maybe they, they're in postmenopausal years, they are having some vaginal dryness, their, their sex drive just doesn't feel the way that it once was. What are, I mean, um, the Argen Max is definitely something she can, she can go ahead and mm-hmm. try. It sounds like that's really helped a lot. Do you have any other ideas for, for someone like that? Well, there's some things that are used off-label. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have uh, pharmacists, compounding pharmacists, make up testosterone cream that they most women apply it somewhere on their thigh. Uh, that sometimes helps. But, um, again, everybody is individual, and yeah. I'm not a proponent of using a lot of hormones. Mm-hmm. If, if yeah. you need for a certain period of time, looking at studies, uh, maybe for for four years or so you can be taking hormonal supplements. But the Women's Health Initiative, which is quoted all over the place, the women in that study, the mean age of the first time they had hormone, hormones, estrogen and progesterone, was 63. You don't give women hormones for the first time at age 63. So there were a lot of problems with that study, and there's a lot that needs to be done. We have no FDA-approved product for women uh, for sexual responses, and uh, there's a lot of things that need to be done. Now, there was one product that was developed that was a testosterone uh, patch called Intrinza that FDA did not approve. It is now approved in the EU, and it's a small amount of testosterone that was done um, just for women, and the studies look pretty good, but FDA did not approve it, so it's not available in the United States. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I mean, my approach with hormones is it's really about the whole body, how the liver is functioning, making making sure to test that it's done properly, it's tested, you know, all of that. So I I fully agree with that. Really got to be done very very carefully. Okay, let's go ahead and open it up to the phone lines. And if if you callers or listeners would like to call and ask a question, we're gonna um, just open the phone lines for a few minutes here. Eight one eight four nine five six nine one nine. Eight one eight four nine five six nine one nine. So we have a caller from um, an unrecognized number. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. What's your name and what's your question? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, first name's Rob. Uh, just 
really not going to give you a question here, but I just want to give a little advice. I think a lot of the problems is with women as they get older is their men forget how to treat them. So they're, in a sense, they're going to lose their sex drive because all those things that you used to be attracted to, your men no longer give it to you. So there's a lot of hormones you can take, and there's a lot of this and a lot of that. However, you know, as women get older, men tend to forget what the woman needs. And I truly believe that the only the only reason why people, you know, have these issues is because they're not bringing it back to themselves of being younger and the men who once buy flowers and line the bed in candles only come home with a briefcase and a bag of problems. Hmm. So it's not only women that need to think about what they need to do to change their life. However, they have uh, they have men that really don't care anymore. That's that's the main issue, you know. We're 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 human beings. We're animals, and if you look at the the way that life has evolved, you know, people move on. They discover someone new, and every time you discover someone new, it becomes fresh and exciting. Hmm. However, those relationships that venture into ten, fifteen, twenty years, kids. I mean, how many times does the woman actually wind up by, you know, making dinner for the husband that doesn't come home because he's late in a meeting? And then just because he's late in a meeting, you don't understand that, listen, now it's the weekend, so let me make that up to her. So I think women in whole have a very few choice out there for guys that really want to satisfy a woman hmm. you have you have very few choices it's easier for a guy to find a woman that that would take care of him and nurture him and everything else than you know i i see so many women out there with men that just you second guess yourself and you say how can you be with him but i mean that's what it is right well, Rob, I think you also have to be aware that men, as they get older, have problems with their blood flow, and they may have some problems with erections, and they may. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. Say if you don't. If you don't, I'm talking about you know, you know those nights that you come home and you do this and you do that. I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about. I think that that guys in general, they become complacent toward a woman's needs. So, yeah, a guy's not going to get aroused because he's not feeling that toward the woman anymore. The woman hasn't changed. The guy's just become a beer drinker and go to work, and that's pretty much it. Maybe she's not feeling the same things toward him either because of many Yeah, because he's not taking care of her. When they first started dating, it was flowers. It was dinners. It was, you know, good times. It was craziness. It was fun. So don't blame the woman. Blame the man, right? I mean, don't you think? Or no? 
Well, let's let's let Dr. Whipple speak and, and get her point across. So go ahead, sure. Dr. Whipple. Well, I think it's there's two people in a relationship, and I think we have to look at communication and we have to look at what's going on within a relationship. And I, I cannot make a statement that it's all a man's problem or it's all a woman's problem or a man's fault or a woman's fault. Each couple is different. Each couple is unique. And we have to be able to learn how to communicate with our partner about what it is we would like. And uh, I can't make a judgment like you are. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think, too many you know, couples married in their 50s, 60s, 50, 60 years old, uh, excuse me, 50, 60-year marriages who are sexually active and who are having a wonderful time. So um, maybe I'm just seeing a different group of people. Well, and I think, too, Dr. Opal, I think you've, you know, over the last several decades had a, a big exposure of, of a lot of people's experiences and, and what they're finding in their, their sex life. and um, and you know, I, I do really trust that perspective, and um, so I you know, really uh, I, I think that um, you know, for for you, Rob, just looking at those those few select um, instances, I just encourage you to have more of an open mind of looking at this. And um, you know, I I actually once used to be jaded looking at men, and I, I'm not anymore. I really think that that men want to provide and want to make their woman happy, and even in in older years, and you know, I have happy grandparents married. My parents are very happily married. I've seen many couples over the years, and you, Dr. Whipple, you've seen this. So um, just encourage you to not have that uh, generalization and um, just, you know, keep the mind open. I think there's uh, it's better open, right, like a parachute. Uh, let's see if there's anyone else here who would like to call in and ask a question. That's 818-495-6919. We have time for one more call. Uh, let's see here. Dr. Whipple, I love the topic of exercise. We talk about this on our show. What specifically can exercise do to help improve sex life? Because I think this is really interesting. Well, I think the more that you exercise and the healthier that you are, the more fun you can have with your sexual expressions. And I think there's all kinds of studies that have been conducted with different types of exercise and how that relates to sexual responses. I mean, there's just a study came came out on bicycling and spinning. But I think that whatever exercise you do that feels good and helps you is what you should do. But I think the main thing we have to talk about, Dr. Noel, is the fact that you do have to exercise. You have to continue with your exercise, and it's so important for bringing blood flow, excuse me, bringing blood flow, flow through the body and keeping healthy. It's very important. It's as important as our diet. Uh, exercise is extremely important to all of us. I'm not going to tell people you must do this exercise or that exercise, although the one that I stress a lot to men and women is the Kegel exercises, and those are the ones that you do to keep your pelvic floor Strong, and I've taught men how to have multiple orgasms by doing cable exercises. I've taught women how to have multiple orgasms by doing cable exercises, and there's a positive correlation with the strength of your pelvic floor muscles and your sexual responses. So I think it's important to do all kinds of exercises, but the kegels are ones that you can do anytime. Do them during a really boring meeting or something, and. Uh, you're bringing blood flow to your genital area as you're doing your exercises, and you'll smile, and people think you're really paying attention during this boring meeting. But uh, it's just really important to keep your pelvic floor muscles in good shape. 
Mm-hmm. I tell my patients to do Kegels at every at a, every red light, every stoplight. Right, right, or when the phone rings, whatever it is. That we're <laughs> right. To do the, yeah. Arnold Kegel developed these exercises back in the 40s to help women to prevent surgery for stressed urinary incontinence. And we have found now that they're very helpful for both men and for women to be doing these exercises. And you start off slowly with a three-second contraction, a three-second relaxation. To identify the muscle, you you, you uh, go into the bathroom and start urinating, and the phone rings and you forgot your cell phone, so you stop the flow of urination. That's the muscle you use. Now, you don't do the exercises when you're urinating, but that's the muscles that you want to use, and you contract them and relax them. And uh, you can do them any time. No one knows that you're doing them. And... Uh, they also can bring a smile to your face because you're bringing blood flow to your genital area. When you bring blood flow to the genital area, you feel turned on. You turned on, you smile. So um, <laughs> a good exercise to be doing. That's great. I have a question from uh, it was an email question um, from a man. He says, how often should men ejaculate and why, um, just for health? And if they do uh, more often, what nutrients do they need more of? Do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, that I really can't answer because there's a should in that. And there's not a should to mm-hmm. anything about sexual activity. Uh, men can ejaculate as often as they choose to. Um, and you want to have good nutrition to keep healthy. But I'm not, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't say how often. It's... I love that. There's not a should in there. Don't should all over yourself. It's great. It's just it's such a non, you know, Stressful. It's a very easy way of looking at this topic, which I think is just great. Um, Dr. Whipple, do you have any other things you'd love to discuss? Any parting words? Um, I, I know it would be great to have maybe a takeaway, like one thing you tell women, um, you know, who are trying to improve, you know, the quality of their sexual interactions. What's something you'd like to leave with us? Well, I'd like each woman to realize that we're all unique individuals. And as unique individuals, we all have different things that we like and that we don't like. And it's really important to get to know ourselves and to feel good about ourselves and to feel good about whatever it is that brings us sensual and sexual pleasure. And as I said when we started, be aware of what it is that you enjoy. Be aware of what brings you pleasure. And then acknowledge this to yourself and say, you know, I really do love to fantasize about this or I really do uh, love cuddling with my partner. Whatever it is, acknowledge it. And then if you do have a partner who you want to be interactive with, communicate this to your partner. Really important. Don't expect your partner to guess what you would like. Let them know and find out from them what they would like as well. So I just think being aware of yourself, feeling good about yourself, and not trying to fit yourself into this one linear model of only one way to respond centrally and sexually you know, Masters and Johnson did a wonderful thing for us, but they developed this model, and you have to fit into this model of this one way of responding, and that's not the way it is. We're mm-hmm. all different, we're all unique, and it, let's, let's just have fun and enjoy ourselves. Yeah. Amen. I love it. I love it, love it. Dr. Whipple, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I really appreciate it. Pre- appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and... Uh, I I hope that we've helped some of your uh, listeners to learn more about themselves and to feel good about themselves. I I think uh, so. And where can can people learn more about you or keep up with what you're doing? 
Well, I don't. Would you believe it or not? I don't use Facebook. I don't Twitter. <laughs> uh, I just... Uh, uh, there's so much written about me. There's so much uh, out there on me. Uh, yeah. Some of it, some of it I, you said you searched. I don't know. Some of it's good. Some of it's not. Uh, you know, I yeah. actually found a video that you did. Um, I think I just Googled your name and female orgasm or something, and a video <laughs> popped up. So for you guys listening, you just Google Dr. Whipple and female orgasm. <laughs> You'll find something. But, it's it's um, Dr. Beverly it, Whipple and... Uh, and I do do conduct a lot of research. There's a lot of things we haven't talked about. With my research, we talked about what is the adaptive significance of the G-spot. Why is it there just for pleasure? You know, that area produces a very strong pain-blocking effect, and that pain-blocking effect is naturally activated during labor. And so we, uh, there's a lot more uh, research studies that I have conducted and published on uh, the effect of different dietary substances on this natural pain-blocking effect that occurs. So uh, there's a lot out there. A lot more. I'm very glad to talk to your listeners about it sometime. We might have to have you back on again, because I could talk to you all night for this, but I know you're on the East Coast, right? (laughs) Yes, I am, and I come out to San Diego a lot. Um, well, I would love to meet you. You're welcome to come by the clinic. I'd love to have lunch. That would be so fun while you're out here sometime, if you're interested. Thank you. I yeah. have no, no idea where you were, and yes, it is late for me. Um, <laughs> um, well, I did not know that you were calling from uh, the uh, West Coast, and I didn't know that you were in uh, San Diego. But yes, I do yeah. go out there quite frequently. I speak at a health spa very close. San Diego over the border, and uh, been very, very blessed. Well, great! You have to come yeah. speak at Shine. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you an email. We'll talk more about that. But I think that would be really fun. So yeah, I have, I have no idea except for this phone number how to contact you. So that's very kind of you. <laughs> I will find a way. I'll find a way to contact you. Um, okay. Well, you might, do you have you have my email? Um, I I don't know if you want to give it on the air. You know what? I will um I'll I'll let the callers go and then I will um actually I have your phone number. I'll call you and I'll get your information. How about that? <laughs> I have your phone number on the, the switchboard. Are you going to call me tonight or? Yeah, I'll call you right after I I um I let the show end. Oh okay, because I'm okay. going to go to bed soon. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'll call you right away. Okay, you guys, okay. that's the show. Thanks for listening. Um, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will ch- chat with you guys next week um, on Dr. Low Radio. I'm going to camp tomorrow, so I'm going to have a blast. Have a great rest of your week. Check you guys next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.